This episode is sponsored by coachingforpastors.org. Pastor, if you are ready, if 2020 is going to be the year for you to transform your health, check out my story at coachingforpastors.org. You're listening to episode 338 of the 200 Churches podcast. There's some lost soul who's going to wander into your church, and there's not going to be anything that snags them. Yep. They're not going to be captured by anything. They're not going to be cared for. They're not going to be led to Jesus. They're going to kind of wander in, and they're going to wander out. It happens, sadly, every single weekend. But then there are those few churches that really, really work hard at this. Yep. And we get we need to get better. My church has to get same, better. Same here. We we have the conversation almost every week. How are we doing? How are we moving forward? Yeah. Because we get so lulled. Yeah. That it takes almost like a grabbing us by the lapels and shaking us. You have to think about new people. Absolutely. You have to. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast. We're passionate about providing ministry encouragement to pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who are definitely better together. Friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Johnny Craig, and I'm sitting here live and in person. I could reach across the table and lay a hand on Please his don't, hand. Johnny. I know Please don't. you'd be uncomfortable. But I'm just saying, I'm trying to set the stage here. Here yes. we are, man. Me and my friend Jeff Katie. Thank you. Is this stale? 338 episodes. We've been doing the same thing. I listen to podcasts that changing it up all the time. Yeah, but you know what? The best ep- the best podcasts are not changing it up all the time. Yeah. Nah, they really not. In okay. fact, in fact, Pat Flynn has the Smart Passive Income podcast. Yeah. And he's got the same funky weird little music at the at the front end yeah in fact he'll do an intro and then he'll say and that's all coming right after the intro music and then he'll they'll just go through the whole thing they'll go through the whole thing yet there's another one uh i can't think of her name Uh, it'll come to me but she starts out just her voice she basically says hey everybody thanks for being and she just goes right into the episode right there was something that was a little bit appealing about that too but she has a very lively, colorful voice. Sure. I think she pulls it off. Right. Not everybody can do it. I don't think so. But she can do it. I don't think so. All but right. she she does a great job of it. But for us, eh, they don't pay enough pay us enough to get creative. That's that's hundred <laughs> percent accurate. That's very true. Now, you know, someday it's probably once every three or four episodes I seriously consider finding new music. Sure. And I'm like, why though? Why? I Go mean, back to the original music. That, yeah. We, well, how long did we have that? We didn't only have that for 30-something episodes. I know. That was... You never liked it. We got, No, it was terrible. No, the no. new music we've had for a long time, it screams 200 churches. I think so. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Our listeners have a Pavlovian response. Their mouth begins watering as soon as the music hey, starts. Hey, should, should we share? Should we share the new small church podcast with our small church listeners sure it is well called, yeah i mean uh what what do they say the sincerest form of flattery is is um imitation yes so yeah go ahead and talk about it i don't think they're imitating us johnny just they have a young host and an old host and they're talking to small church pastors I yeah just, yeah nothing like ours i just think it fell out that way it's just nothing <laughs> i'm just saying it's nothing like ours and they have a it number is. in the name of the podcast yes nothing like ours <laughs> It is the 95 podcast uh, by the guys at the 95 Network. But I like what it says here. It says the 95 podcast, Conversations for Small Church Pastors. Not, and I'm making fun. They do a good job. I think this is, well, 
I was on episode 13, and that just came out uh, today, I think, or yesterday. They've probably got 10 times the listeners we have already. I I hope so. And they're 14 episodes in. I hope they do, because that way people will hear me, and they'll come over and listen to us. I like that. (laughs) But So they're they're, they're just getting started, but I see them as a really high-quality, good content. If you're looking to be encouraged and inspiration and listen to conversations on small church ministry, yeah. this is the podcast to go to. It's just the 95 podcast. The 95 podcast. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's a 9 to 5, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. There's a 9 to 5 ah. podcast. You'll see a lot of other things when you search for it, but keep scrolling. You'll see it'll come up, the 95 podcast. The 95 podcast. For small church pastors. Johnny, today we want to talk about assimilation. Let's do it. In the church. And we- I'm convinced it doesn't matter the size of the church. Okay, there may be a different approach if you're in a mega church. Sure. Neither one of us are in mega churches. No. We're, we're, we're in, uh, I think, how do we say it? No, I don't know. Normal no, size normal churches. Normal size church. I think the bigger your church gets, the more you realize it really doesn't make any difference, the size. You still have the challenges yes. that you had when you had a smaller church. Well, my thought is the the larger your church is, the more likely you are to have guests more frequently. Okay? So that's okay. maybe, yeah. maybe that's true. But what you do with your guests, no matter if you have one a month, one a week, two, two a week, you know, one every quarter, whatever it is, you still got to have a a process right for them to get connected to your church i think so often we think uh oh well somebody will come they'll see it and the next thing you know they'll be connected to the life of the church as if by magic like that's not how it works and so our friend greg curtis uh does a lot of great work on this idea of assimilation which sounds so dirty i remember the first time i heard it i thought that sounds so terrible but all he's saying is uh, everybody needs to get assimilated into the life of a church, right? We believe that or we wouldn't be pastors. And so it's not about uh, them becoming, you know, part of the Borg, like a la Star Trek, but it's about them connecting to the life of the church, connecting to the life of other people in your church for the sake of their own spiritual growth and the kingdom of God. Yeah. And we said last week that it is episode 273. Yep that Greg was on our podcast and he just he just dumped a ton of information out on that episode. I have listened to Greg on other podcasts yeah. and have listened to those episodes more than once because he just got a ton of information. But the truth is a church will not do good in the area of assimilation just by default. No. You know, it it, it just no. doesn't happen, and uh, and and that's I think that's probably something that pastors don't think about enough, right? And that they would probably initially be resistant about, like, no, our, our church, our church does okay with assimilation, but really, no, it probably doesn't. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, it doesn't. Let me say that your church probably doesn't do that well with assimilation. It sounds harsh, but it's true, and. And the reason is not because your people aren't friendly. This isn't about friendliness. It isn't because your sermons aren't good. This isn't about how good your sermon. This is about the intentionality of helping somebody see the pathway for how they can become part of your church. And if they can't see the pathway, then they can't take the pathway. And then you're just kind of hoping that they stumble forward in the dark and find themselves involved in your church basically, like I said before, by magic, right? Like you'll just get lucky enough that that happens. Uh, it just, 
Ah, I mean, we've all got people that way. My church has had people come and visit and stay, and that's how it happened. But I'm just aware of how many people are visiting and not going, Yeah, not able to stumble through the dark until they're connected. And, and the reason I say to our listeners that your church probably isn't that good with assimilation is because we've been working at it for two years now, and we're not that good at assimilation. Right. We could be a lot better. In fact, we're honestly... A, just an objective assessment, we are not that good at assimilation. And we continue to lean into it and yeah. to think about it and to try to figure it out. Jeff, let me ask you. Greg Curtis talks about the one place. Do you have a one place in your church, Jeff? We do, but do we use it? Now we're talking with food in our mouths. Truth be told... I don't know if I've ever talked with food in my mouth on the podcast, but my wife came down. Nobody wants to listen to it. <laughs> with these, no, they don't. You don't want to listen to it. Well, boy, I'm, I'm continuing to put more in my mouth as we talk, though. My wife came down with these warm oatmeal cookies, which are really good. So you asked me about the one place. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> we do, but we don't use it very well. Hmm. We just don't. And that's unfortunate. But we're working on it. We're working on it. But like I've always said, change in churches happens in dog years. Yeah. Because people only come around once every seven days. So it takes seven times longer to get anything done in a church than it would in real life. So you're working on your one place, right? You've got yep, a physical yep. place, but you're working on getting people to it, getting a staff. Here's my big question for you, okay? Who is leading your assimilation strat like who is who is bought in are you driving it or who's driving it because this has been for me a huge learning like point and so i'm just wondering you say i've got a one place but it's not you know really working out right now the one place being the one place where visitors go just to be like clear but yeah. who is driving the assimilation bus in your church well and that's that's kind of the challenge so i would say that I have the philosophical vision for it, like the, the heart for it. I want people yep. to get followed up on, um, but but I'm not good at it. I'm not good at the nuts and bolts sure. of it. And, absolutely. And if you took the course Climbing the Assimilayas with Greg Curtis, you'll hear him say, and he probably said it in our episode 273, he's not good at the nuts and bolts either of getting assimilation done. Yeah. But in our church, thankfully... We have an elder's wife who has who led the assimilation team that we put together, oh, at least seven, eight months ago. Yeah. And she really has a heart for it. Yeah. And when she when she got unleashed on this climbing the assimilators course, yeah. I mean, it just resonated with everything inside of her. So while the team now is uh, on the downward uh, trend, in, in other words, what they wanted to accomplish, they've pretty much done. Right. Now there's going to be a 2.0 and maybe a 3.0 right. and, and on and on. I think she's going to be a part of it, and she's probably going to lead that because for, for whatever reason, she has a huge passion for wanting to see people brought into the life of the church. Sure. But, but you're right. A lot of people show up. They walk in the door. Any number of things happen to sidetrack, derail them from getting right. eventually to the kitchen table, as Andy Stanley would say, sure. into a small group and into life, community life with other people. So we have to be intentional about it, and we have to have a plan. So we got Greg Curtis's stuff. Yep. We got his checklists. Yep. 
It's just full of questions. Oh, yeah. It's full of questions. It's question after question. Have you done this? Well, no. Have you done this? No. Do you know where this is going to be? No. Have you answered these questions? No. <laughs> have you prepped these situations? No. Do you have people that are thinking about? No. It's like, this is not helpful, Greg. I want answers, not questions. But but Greg, Greg gives you the checklist. Right. But these are all, It's the truth is, it's hard work. Uh, absolutely. It's hard. You'd think it would be so so easy, so benign. Right. It's really hard. It is hard. It is hard. And the, the only thing that's made it even start to get traction at, at my church. Yeah, I want to hear what you've learned. It, I've learned that in, invested and involved elders are an unstoppable force in my church. Hmm. That's what I've learned. And I've got, what I have is high-powered people, uh, professional people, these elders who lead the church. And our church, not every church is laid out this way. And so every church has a different governmental structure. In our church, the highest governing board is what's called the administrative board of the consistory. And so there's some elders and there's some deacons on that. And it's a smaller group of people and they are doing the budgets and, you know, the stuff I honestly want nothing to do with. Okay. So then I have a group of elders and these elders are spiritual leaders of the church. There's a, uh, obviously a, the role of elder is to help guide the church. And I went to this group of elders. I said, Hey, I got three areas we need worked on this year. One is I need a new members class, which Greg Curtis would call your one program. I need an assimilation team. And I said, those are going to be connected, but separate, right? Those two teams. And I need a group of elders to start talking about prayer ministry. And they self-selected into these groups and they have just been on fire to get this stuff done. They wanted me to buy the Greg Curtis video. So I bought in the Greg Curtis video course. They watched it together. They had discussions about it. They, they got a swag subcommittee now going on. <laughs> like the people who are going to pick out the swag that we give. They've designed a, an entire connection center, the one place where we can have people go and drive, you know, guests toward. And so now we're getting to the hardest part, execution. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. So, you know, they're excited and they're going to man this connection center and they're going to, they're on, you know, they're looking for guests. But the whole thing is if you don't get guests to your one place, then the, then the, there's no point. It, it falls apart. You got to get guests to your one place. That's the whole thing. It and seems you like. got to get them in the one program that yes. takes them through two processes that result in two placements on a serving team and in a small group, right? Yes, that's it. I mean, that's pretty easy. I mean, it's only just a couple things. <laughs> <laughs> the one program part. Okay, let's talk about that. Because Greg Curtis's church is huge. It's a, it's a huge church. And they are running their one program every single week. Yep. Every single week they're running it. Yeah, week one, week two, week three, week four. And they've and got then, a classroom full yep. of people who are new enough to the church that they're taking this class every single every single week. That's crazy to me. So that's part of it too, where we can't do that. We don't have that many guests. We don't have that many visitors. If I did it once a month, that'd be too much. I can do it quarterly. Wait, maybe. Johnny, you've got a larger church though. It's not that large. It's not Greg Curtis large. You got I mean, three, four hundred people in there, right? Yeah. 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 In your location? Yep. Yeah. I mean, you should have, that should be, you're in like Flint, right? You should have a dozen guests a week. <laughs> so what you're talking about is Greg, he, he lays out a process for a church in the thousands Yes. Right. And it's a four. It's a four class new members course, basically. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the one program. Yep. And it's week one, two, three, and four. And this month, if you miss week say three, then you just you just take week three next month. Yeah. 
or you know, so it's so easy. And it's always happening. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, yes, three, four. It never it's stops. like you're in the army. Yes. So if you miss one, but we can't do that either. We can't no, do that. You don't have that many guests. No. We, I mean, we, we don't. We've got guests. We've, we've sure. got, you know, plenty of, it's not, it's not like we have a church of 30, but, but even with a church of 500, you can't run that same kind of a program. No. So you have to modify. Yes. Which is, which is the, the golden word for small church ministry. Right. You have to modify, and and what we're doing is we have to modify because we're too small, right, to incorporate his program. But we also have to modify because we're too big. You can't you can't do that much with large groups. You sure. got to break them down into small groups, right? Hence the ease of small church ministry, where you've already got a small small group, and maybe you've got two or three small groups meeting together, you know, on a Sunday morning, yeah. But it, so the, so the size doesn't matter. So, what are some things that you've learned that you have to do when you're thinking of assimilation? What what are some of the components, like the really the fundamentals, right at the beginning? Uh, I think one of the fundamentals is maybe this is the fundamental. I think Greg Curtis says it like if you don't get their information, you didn't even have a guest. Okay, like they're not visitors if you, they don't give you their information. And our information gathering process right now is, hey, could you uh fill out the little flap on your bulletin and then put it in the offering? Do you normally say it like that on Sunday? I might as well say it like that on <laughs> Sunday because nobody does it. Like it's such a weird do, thing. Do you have pens in the in the seats? There's pens in the seats. Okay. There's writing we didn't for so long. So you're asking people to turn in a connection like, card and there's no pens. Why don't we have pens in the seats? And well, we've never had pens in the seats. Okay. <laughs> oh well, can gosh. we change that? That's amazing. So we finally changed that. Right? Yes. We, we do now. Yeah. We had to get some pens in the seats for that. But it's it's you know there's no incentive for a guest especially their first time, to put a card in the offering. They don't even know at that point in the service they haven't even heard a sermon. They don't even know if I'm any good. Maybe it could be an already detached card, and you can say, take it to like the one place and get something free. So this is the whole thing, so they right? Could be, it's like they're Frida and Freddie freeloader, you know, and you make it feel like you're coming to church just to get something when really people get fulfilled when they're giving. I have been against swag from the beginning, but I've come around. Is I've it, come around on swag. Is it because of that or, or what? Why, yeah, my whole thing around? is like we live in a consumeristic culture and swag plays into the consumerism of our culture. I'm having to choose to see it in a different way. That this is, for lack of a better phrase, a quid pro quo to get information, right? This like, for that? Yeah, I would like your information. And I'm willing to give this gift for said information. And you have that gift now, and and you remember that you came, and it's you know you appreciate so, it. But truthfully, it is it's a payment for information, for the sake of trying to get you into the one program so you can become part of the life of our church. So one view of that is that you don't want to put it on somebody to tell them to come and get something free because that makes them feel kind of cheap and like sure. they're just there to get something. But the other side of it is to somehow term it and phrase it so that you can actually have the guests feel like they're doing you a favor because you've prepared something that you want all new people to have. Yes. And it's kind of like, it's it's your ministry, it's your job, you're going to be successful if every new person could get one of these guest bags. Yes. So you've got them, you've got to get rid of them, we don't want to have them in the, in the welcome area, we, we we want to give you one, and everybody gets these, We get you get this cube of, of sticky notes, and you get this new pen, sure. and you get, uh, and you just name the stuff. And 
we we've got to get get one to everybody. We'd really appreciate it if you if you come <laughs> get it off our hands. And, yeah, pretty much. So that's kind of the angle that you have to take. So do that, you do this? So we're working on that. Do you have a swag yes, bag? Yes, we do. We do. In fact, in fact, tomorrow the new bags are going to arrive because we ordered I don't know how many hundreds of bags. Yeah, they were too big. Oh, and we never sent them back. So we've got these cloth bags with our logo on them, but right. they were too big. So what we're doing this year is we had people take them and put food in them and bring them back. And so we're going to take them filled with food to the food pantry. That's great. And we're going to tell them, here, use these bags as right. people. So people are going to go to the food pantry, take food, and they're going to have Community Heights bags. Oh, that's awesome. To take with them. That's called that's that's called good use of making a mistake. Repurposing, right? Yes. And 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 yeah, recovering from that mistake. But we're gonna get smaller ones that are just more appropriate. Yeah. You know, so people aren't walking around with these big and men don't want to walk around with a with a big, man purse. A big canvas tote? Not not really. <laughs> not really. They don't. But uh, you going back to what you said, Johnny, fundamentally we need information from people. So that we can follow up with them. So what kind of information do you get from people? It's bare bones. It's name, address, phone number. That's the ideal for me because it's quick and easy. There's a longer form that they can fill out. So if they don't want to fill it out on a card, we have iPads that they can put their information on. And then from there, they could say, I have a prayer request. I have an interest in getting involved in this kind of group or that kind of group. And, you know, we do get visitors from time to time who come in and they don't just give us their information, but they actually check that they're interested in a couple ministries of the church. And so we're trying to streamline that process so that if somebody comes in and is ready to get involved, you know, pretty quick right away, we can get that information and get them hooked up. So name, address, phone number, email address? I'm sorry. Yes, definitely email address. Okay. Need the email address because that's it. You know, almost don't even really need the address these days. You know, you don't except for ironically the organization is called Text and Church and Text and oh, Church right. has a guest follow-up so <laughs> checklist. <laughs> they got their own, you know, but Greg Curtis has his Bible of assimilation. They've got the follow-up Bible. And one of the things is send them a handwritten card in the mail. They've okay. got like a four-week follow-up, like guest follow-up strategy. And one of the weeks is, you know, a card in the mail. So text if you and can church? Text and Church is what Do it's called. Do you use it? We were so we should have done this podcast six months from now. I've got part of that assimilation team as they're working on the follow up procedures, and so they're starting some of that. But I, this is the other part, and this is the hardest part for small churches. Okay, and maybe you're going through this too. If no staff person is on this, it's not going to happen. And if only a staff person is on it without any lay people, then it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. This has to be a joint endeavor between somebody who's paid and thus is, uh, you know, has to do it. And people who are volunteer and, and do it because they believe in it and want to do it. For me, that's how it's been. I've got this, I've got an associate, she's wonderful, and she is she's the mechanism by which we as a staff can communicate, you know what I'm saying, can can be that in between. And she can get stuff done nine to five that some of my elders can't get done because obviously they have their own jobs and careers. And so that that do, that joint thing between a staff person and a volunteer team is like this like magic. So now what about the small church? I know where there's yeah I know where there's no nine to five, there's just the pastor. 
So you can still, you deputize somebody. You've got yeah. a volunteer staff member, yeah. basically, who you treat with the same level of accountability that you would a paid person. I think that's it. And you let them know. And you know what? There are ways to get, to appreciate people without giving them a salary. And Absolutely. In a small church where they may only have a couple of guests a month, right? yet they can be on top of it and they can be recognized and appreciated while held accountable and understand that they're they're kind of on staff at the church. They're part-time staff, they're volunteer staff, but they're still carrying out critical right. functions of the church. And follow-up is a critical function. Jeff, we're, we're getting low on time. Here, I got a question for you. Let's have a little fun. If I said, what's the biggest don't of assimilation slash guest strategy slash guest services? The biggest don't. I have a horrible one in my mind, and I promise you some of our people listening right now do this in their churches, and I'm going to tell them to stop. Tell me your biggest don't. Don't do this if you ever want to see your guests again. Oh, well, the one I'm thinking of that you're probably thinking of is when you ask for a recognition of first-time people oh, in the church. exactly. What is it? Oh, my gosh. Right? I, don't, I don't know what churches do that. They're, still, they're out there, man. S- smaller churches. There's a man listening or a woman listening right now, and they're like, oh, my church does that. You mean the guests don't like so, that? But smaller churches can sometimes get away with it because yeah. it's an informal You'd be a diplomatic. atmosphere. No, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. But rule of thumb, no. People do not want to be recognized as, oh, hey. Oh, think, um, think if that's an introvert, your guest. But, but if you've only got like 15 or 20 people. Sure. And it's pretty obvious to everybody in the room that, that Jeff is here for the very first time. And the pastor says, hey, do we have anybody? You probably wouldn't say that. Hey, we want to welcome you. You're here for the first time. What's your name? Where are you from? Oh, that's great. But you might be in a living room. You might be in a setting In a where, living room's fine. Yeah. But in if a, you're in church. But, right. In a church service. That's, I'm putting no. that on the don't list, man. You don't know, I do did that. Hear, I did hear of a church recently that is still doing that. But, but here's a don't. Ooh. Don't assume that people are going to get followed up on. Don't assume that oh, people who walk into your they're church... Not, they're not getting followed yeah, up on. ...have the information that they need. Crazy. Don't assume that what you shared in church is going to be understood by them. Right? Don't assume that they picked up a bulletin. Don't assume that they know what your website address is. Really don't assume when it comes to guest relations because yes. it's probably not happening. Our children's director has a an incredible uh, book that has all of the information that you would need about our kids' ministry if you came for the first time to church. But it's like five pages, okay? It's like a you know booklet. And I said to her, people don't know what to do with their kids. And she's like, well, it's in the book. And I said, I didn't know we reading that book. Like maybe they'll take it home and look over it, but like they're not reading it when they get there. Like you got to walk people through it. You got to take them through. Here's this. Here's that. Here's this. Here's that. Well, I mean, they've never, this, somebody's never been to your church before. And maybe they've never been to a church, but even if they've been to another church, that church didn't do things the way you do things. For example, our kids don't leave at the beginning of service. They leave 15 minutes into service. That's not normal. And so like, if you don't know that, if nobody told you that, you're wandering around with your kids wondering where the heck to put them. We just literally have been working on a video to to run at the time when the kids are supposed to leave. Yeah. Because we decided to use one, and the one that we used, I'm not looking at the screens when it comes up, right. because I'm coming up about ready to, to share my message. But when I actually looked at it, I'm like, this thing doesn't tell people anything. Oh. It doesn't really give any direction. And if right. I'm a new person... 
Okay, I'm saying that. I noticed that, but somebody else actually brought that up. I don't remember who it was. Right. But somebody brought it up in a staff meeting, and they're like, you know, it really doesn't say anything. So we redid it. Yeah. And the guy who redid it asked me to look at it, and I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, but but change this around, and then Absolutely. this is in the wrong order. Put it this way, and then it'll make more sense. Yeah. Because the person doing it, you're too close to it. You don't, you know, you don't see that stuff. Yeah. All that to say, it's not intuitive for a new person coming into your church to know where the kids go, what happens, what everybody else knows new people don't know. Yeah. So, Johnny, how are we going to end this? What are we asking of of our listeners in terms of assimilation? Maybe the recognition that there should be, whether it's intricate or whether it's one step, you should have in your mind a pathway that new people could follow. Yes. yes. To go from being a new person to saying, this is my church. This is not universal. I get up every Sunday in my church. I say, my name is Johnny. I'm the campus pastor here at the bridge. That's because I look out and there's 280 to 310 adults in the room and I don't know them all. They could. There might not be a single guest in that room, Jeff, but I don't know all those people and I don't know if there is a guest. And so I'm telling them who I am. And some of them are probably thinking, why does he tell us this every single week? Yeah. Because I'm not telling you. Right. I'm telling the guest. If you got a church of 15 people, you probably don't need to get up every Sunday and be like, we're thankful for the visitors that are here. Because you can look out and you know, Jeff, at our last church, 150 people on a Sunday, yeah. we knew if there was a visitor, but, right? But even with 150, sometimes we didn't it know. It gets a little dicey. Right, but for the most part. So I'm not saying you need to do everything the Greg Curtis way. You don't have to do everything the way, but you got to make this work for your church, but you do have to make it work. Don't You can't assume, like you just said, Jeff, you can't assume people are getting followed up on. You can't assume that people are getting good information about what to do with their kids, about what to do during the service. Maybe you've got a more liturgical service. Are you giving people like the information that they need so that for the call and response, they know what to say, you know, what times they need to do this, what times they need to do that. If your service is built for only the people who know what is happening in your service, you're already on your way to the bad assimilation strategy. And so I, you got to be intentional and you got to have a mental pathway for people to walk here, 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 here. And that's how they're going to get involved in the life of your church. And as pastors, we give ourselves an out all too easily. Oh, yeah. You know, we're at church. We know everybody. It's comfortable. It's for us. Oh, it's too much work to try to think it through. Because oh, yeah. you know how in a service, once you change one element, it, it always affects the other things around it. Yes. And then you've got unintended consequences. It's so, yeah, so it's just easier to just, uh, you know what? Nobody's, nobody is speaking for the people that are new. Nobody is speaking for the people that aren't there right. yet. Nobody's complaining when you don't clearly share mm. information. And, and what you end up with is all the same people right. there Sunday after Sunday. Yep. So here's my challenge. Pastor, somebody in your church has to be thinking about this stuff. Yeah. And if you're not, you better have somebody who is. Yeah. Otherwise, I know this is rocket science, but otherwise, nobody will be. <laughs> if you're not and nobody else is, and the problem with that is that there's some lost soul who's going to wander into your church and there's not going to be anything that snags them. Yep. They're not going to be captured by anything. They're not going to be cared for. 
They're not going to be led to Jesus. They're going to kind of wander in and they're going to wander out. It happens, sadly, every single weekend. But then there are those few churches that really, really work hard at this. Yep. And we get, we need to get better. My church has to get same, better. Same here. We, we have the conversation almost every week. How are we doing? How are we moving forward? Yeah. Because we get so lulled. Yeah. That it takes almost like a grabbing us by the lapels and shaking us. You have to think about new people. Absolutely. You have to. And then the next week you forget it because nobody's <laughs> nobody's clamoring. Nobody's saying, don't forget right. the new people. The people in your church will not tell you, don't forget the new people. Right. They won't. That's the that's the job of leadership. That's yep. the job of spiritual leadership in the culture and the day and age that our churches exist in. So yeah, wow. Johnny, uh, put a pen in it. You got to like get it. going, man. I do. You got to get going. So good to have you here for this episode. Great joy to be in the in the house of Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for stopping by. I mean, I know you were kind of already out this way. You worked it out. Yeah, I mean, it got worked out for you. Come on, yeah. So that's pretty good. And uh, glad you were passing through. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode, and we will see you next week on the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Angela, and I want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, you should subscribe at 200churches.com and to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You know it. We'll be back with another amazing and encouraging episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love His church. I know that I've talked on the podcast with food in my mouth before. Yeah, I. but we don't talk about it, though, but I hear it when I'm editing. I'm like, you got those stinking M&Ms in your mouth. Remember when I had that big, huge bowl of M&Ms? Mm-hmm. Half of the words you spoke had an M&M in your mouth. <laughs> okay, I've already forgotten. What was the last thing I just said? Oh, dog ears. we I have it, but we're... Oh, yeah, dog ears. Because we're working at we're working at trying to figure out that one place. That he's not good at the nuts and bolts either. That he's not good at the nuts and bolts either. Yeah. Wow, that's hard to say. You know, there's three things that are really difficult to say. I was wrong. I'm sorry. And Worcestershire sauce. Okay. Kids are supposed to leave. Yeah, because we 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 you we.